everybody. A chipper Tim, Bonnie, and Mike here today. <laughs> Welcome to the Vox Podcast, where uh, just a, a bit of a weather update. It is uh, 32 degrees in Columbus, Ohio. Tim, Auburn update. Auburn is currently at this moment 67 degrees. Nice, Bonnie. Update. And sunny. Uh, 76, but it's going to oh, get to boy. 83, baby. Oh man! Now, Bonnie, um, at what what humid or humidity or temperature factors do you have to then make hair adjustments? Oh, and when the humidity gets over like sixty percent, I kind of got it. Okay, you kind of got to you got to take that into consideration. Yeah, just uh, throw it up. Okay, automatic. Yeah, there's no questions there. Okay, um, how big does that go out? <laughs> Very early. I mean, is it like the whole family was like, "Ah, oh, mom, your hair, it's getting stuck in my remote control car. And I was like, you know what, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, you need to brush your hair out more. So I just took a comb to it and it was like this huge thing. And oh. they were like, never mind. Don't do that. Can we, I mean, I don't know what it's going to take, but can we get a picture of just the full-blown Bonnie someday? We'll see. We'll see. Okay. I just, I just want to, I want to Photoshop my face onto your face and just see what I would, see what I would look at. Hey, anyway, Vox, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Um, a couple of, a couple of business items before we begin. First, as always, would you please like and subscribe and share the podcast? It is so important um, to uh, for our discoverability, and um, we we're just grateful to be doing what we're doing. And so, if you would help us in that way, that would be a big gift. Uh, secondly, we're getting emails from people all over the country who want to form what we're calling micro communities, which are these smaller sort of table fellowship things that we spoke about a couple episodes ago. And, um, and so if you're interested in one of those, would you please email us at hello at voxpodcast.com. I just heard from Alexandria, Virginia and Palo Alto and Maine. I don't know where in Maine, just somewhere in the state of Maine. And uh, again, from last week, Toronto, Columbus, Auburn, California, Bonnie's living room, and um, and so so anyway, would you let us know? Uh, because now that we're getting requests, we'd love to hear from from other people who are in those same areas. And so, hello at voxpodcast.com. Now, today, I'm excited because I threw out kind of a, a weird request on the tw the Twitter sphere, and uh, we've had a, obviously a conversation about um, John MacArthur's comments about Beth Moore, and we've talked. A lot about women and leadership uh, in the podcast, but we've not spoken with somebody who's a complementarian, um, who kind of believes that women are equal in uh, worth and dignity, but very different in role, both in the kingdom uh, and in the family. And um, and we wanted to talk to somebody who and get their reaction to kind of what they heard from MacArthur. And so I threw that out on Twitter, and my friend Alan Frau responded and man is he articulate and he also happens to be complementarian and so he did a very brave thing um he like just was super honest about where they're at as a church the decisions they make in leadership why they do that um I, and so i just have a ton of respect for 
Alan and his willingness to to come in to an environment like ours, where we're obviously egalitarian, um, but but to do and, and he even says it during his interview. You know, he was he wanted to make sure that people understood that the John MacArthur kind of complementarianism isn't the only kind that's out there, and yeah. so. Um, so lots of questions and great conversation with him. Um, and then as always, and this, this was Bonnie's idea way back. Um, we'll do kind of an outro and reflect on the interview. Anything you guys want to add before we get started? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I always, I always cue them when these big questions are coming. So they, they know exactly two seconds before. Um, I will say that interview, if you're new to the Vox podcast, one of the things that's been true of us from the very beginning is that when we interview people, we want their best stuff. So what I don't do when I'm interviewing people is a bunch of pushing back or a bunch of, well, how would you respond to this? Um, I, I want their best stuff. So I clarify, I, you'll hear me go, mm, mm-hmm. Like, and that's not always an agreement, but that's encouraging uh, them to continue going. I'm, I, I really want just clarity on what they think and why they think it. Mm-hmm. So that, that certainly pertains here. Alan does a great job. I hardly have to ask him questions, but, but just as a reminder, that's our kind of approach to interviews with people. And part of the reason why we do an outro to interviews is that, um, is that we then get the opportunity to process it together. So mm-hmm. I would add that to myself. Tim, anything you would add? Nope. Perfect. Bonnie? No, I feel, I feel good. I'm excited to hear it. Then let the interview with Alan Frau commence. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Vox Podcast. And today live from Brea, California. Do you live in Brea? I do. I live in Fullerton. In Fullerton, California, yeah. where fires. So you got fires today. We do, just down the road. Just oh down the goodness. road. Pretty hectic. This is my friend, Alan Frau. Alan um, is the pastor at Southlands Community in Brea. And, um, and, and before we do anything, you know, our American audience wants wants to know what the accent is because automatically you have credibility and hmm. good looks and intelligence imported to you simply in virtue of the accent so so explain yourself oh man yeah i uh, grew up south african uh this accent my friends do tell me it makes me sound smarter than i am perfect um and uh yeah we've lived here for 12 years so i hold dual citizenship and um South Africa and uh, the U.S. Proud to call U.S. home, but um, all my wife and my family are still back in South Africa. If South Africa and the U.S. ever met in a rugby championship, which <laughs> they, we know will never happen, but if they it, have, if it, they have. <laughs> it wasn't not pretty. A, no, I don't imagine it was. <laughs> who who would you root for, my friend? Because I mean, that that's really the question. Yeah, yeah, it would be it would be tough. Look, I have. Uh, pledged allegiance. I will go to war for the for the U.S. If uh, the U.S. go to war against South Africa, I had to. I had to pledge allegiance, even though I uh, hold nice. your citizenship. But when it comes to rugby, I will 
root for the green and gold. Unfortunately. Oh my goodness. And I will okay. be rooting for the green and gold this Friday night as they take on England. Uh, colonizers in uh, the World Cup final. <laughs> Perfect. This this is the kind of geopolitical analysis that we want. This is fantastic. Now, what what brought you over here twelve years ago? Oh, it is a long story. Uh, it began as an eighteen year old for me uh, in a walk in a redwood forest, the Muir Woods near San Francisco. I was here as part of a um, uh, multicultural team speaking on. Uh, gospel and race in 1990, just mm -hmm. the year that Nelson Mandela was released from prison. It was before apartheid came down, and uh, we traveled to five states just talking about the gospel and race and reconciliation. Wow. And um, in a on a walk in the Muir Woods, it was like a burning bush moment, a burning redwood moment, and and I felt the Lord just speak to me as an 18 year old about one day living and uh, preaching the gospel in California. Um, and I uh, came home to my girlfriend at that time and said, if we get married, um, please be open to leaving here and living in California. And uh, 18 years later, that happened. Do you feel like if the call would have been to Ohio <laughs> instead of California, that she would have been as open? I would have, I would have lost it. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's, it's interesting. At that time, I had not visited San Francisco yet. I had ah. not visited um, LA, um, Disney, all we'd, we'd, we'd come to Fresno. So Fresno was oh, all boy. I knew of California. Well, that, is, so, that is the Midwest you know, of California. That's right. So that's my sort of my excuse is that I was not initially drawn by the beauty. Okay. Um, and then, you know, always Fair. assume that we'd be in San Francisco, which I do find incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Um, sure. But uh, that was actually not where the Lord uh, had us. So the first few visits to, to L.A., I didn't love L.A. at all. It was a big concrete jungle. Yeah. But obviously, we have come to call it home and love it. Obviously, it has challenges, but uh, many challenges, but um, privileged to call this home. And, and Southlands mm. um, was right down the street from Vox um, and EV Free. Right. And um, you've been... You 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 were a pastor there before you took it over. Yeah, three years. Three years. Yeah. And and um, tell us just uh, for the audience that doesn't know context, tell us about Southlands just as the church. Yeah. Where do you see it in the global kind of yeah. movements? Yeah. Southlands is a, a fifty-two year old church, so it was planted in the Jesus People Movement. Mm. Uh, it was called uh, uh, Calvary, uh, and. Um, like everything else. That, like like everything days. else. That it wasn't a Calvary Chapel church, but um, but it was it, it had a kind of a Calvary background, just kind of evangelical. Many people mm -hmm. saved and added back in the seventies, and has gone through its iterations. You know, there was a church split during the eighties over over the charismatic gifts. Mm -hmm. So that uh, and it became more of a charismatic church during that mm -hmm. time. Uh, really had a strong missionary call, a school. Um, and what, what we call ourselves, we're, we're a little bit of a junkyard dog in some ways, a hybrid, uh, a gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community on mission. So we, we, we love the gospel. Um, we want to, uh, the gospel is Main Street uh, in, our, in our town. Um, but we want to follow Jesus, make disciples and make disciples in the power of the spirit without the crazy weirdness of um, some of charismatic Christianity. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to build family. We believe that um, Orange County uh, in particular, but 
the Southland, Southern California is a very isolated place and uh, we want to build family. The gospel gives us adoption into a family uh, and we want to be a family on mission. So I think one of the real keys uh, of our flavor is that we're, I, I would call us a medium-sized multiplying church mm. where perhaps if you gathered the congregations together, we might just count as large uh, if we got the kids to stay for the second service and offered them donuts and put, put up their hand and count for the game, you know. Uh, but um, but we, we're not actually aiming for large. Um, right. We're multiplying medium-size uh, congregations. Someone and, should write a book about that. I don't know. Yeah, Do you know anyone that's written a book yeah, about yeah, that? That's right. There's, there is a book. There's a book about that. And so we, uh, we, we are a little bit of a unicorn because only 5% of churches under 1,000 ever multiply in the U.S. Ooh. And I honestly believe that's the sleeping giant in the U.S., uh, medium-sized multiplying churches, not to downplay large or small, but um, I think we are poised to keep on multiplying healthy communities. So that's nice. something for thousands. Nice. Yeah. And how, how is the church structured and led? Hmm. Um, we have, so up until very recently, we had four congregations. Mm -hmm. uh, we've just launched one uh, of those as an autonomous church mm -hmm. and are planning to launch another one in the next year. So uh, we are a multi-congregational church um, and we are led by a team of elders uh, with uh, what we call a plurality and consensus as high values um, mm -hmm. with, uh, with the first among equals. So I lead the team that leads the church, but we have local eldership teams in each of those congregations. Mm -hmm. um, and so we really want to power, empower local teams. They, they preach live, they pastor their flock. And then as well, one of the nuances, and of course, we're going to talk about that. We have um, a large team of deacons who really cover, they carry some clout, um, leading all sorts of ministries. And that would be made up of both men and women, married and single. Uh, and then in our eldership team, which, which is made up of men, we have a high value of team with our wives. So uh, we have elders and we have elders' wives, and we, we, we lead in team together in, I think, quite a nuanced way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think quite a powerful way. And so that's the way we are, uh, we are governed. Mm -hmm. And that, and that kind of brings me to one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you is um, the, given the whole John MacArthur, yes. you know, conversation now yes. back into, you know, the complementarianism, egalitarianism debate now back sort of on, on the front page, so to speak, of at least my version of the Twitter sphere. Yeah. Um, I, I was eager to talk to somebody to, uh, who holds that view, but has nuance and because yeah. uh, you don't sound like a jerk. And, um, you know, so points, points there. No, no, no. But, but, but tell me a little bit about um sort of it was that the tradition you inherited yeah. to to have kind of male only sure. elders mm -hmm. in the traditional sense and then I'd love to talk just biblically yeah. yeah like what what do you see as you look yeah. at the arguments pro and con yeah good well actually I grew up in an egalitarian church I mm. grew up Methodist and uh, my mom has been an elder there for many years, actually. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh. So, and I think, you know, one of the straw man sort of arguments against the complementarians is they're just ignorant, primitive. They don't know better. Right. Um, and, you know, I, that's what I grew up. My, my dad as well has served as an elder there too. 
mm-hmm. um, but it, it's it's an egalitarian church. And um, I would first just say, man, this is not an order of first importance. You know, um, I love that church. Learned, came to faith in that church. My wife got saved in that church. We got married in that church, and um, just received so much that was good. Um, and so th- this is this is this should not be as um, divisive and polarizing as it is today. And I think our, our current socio-political climate has meant that I would say um, this is one of the primary dividers of brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, when 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 we first um, arrived in Southern California, two thousand and seven. The primary reason why people didn't join our church was because we were charismatic. Mm. Um, And, you know, that was the polarizing thing back Mm -hmm. then. And Mm -hmm. talking of John MacArthur, you know, this is not the first time I've been on the wrong side of John MacArthur. um, (laughs) Because around that time, he was writing books like Charismatic Chaos, Strange Fire a little later, and really full of vitriol towards anyone who who spoke in tongues, you know? Um, and, um, so, you know, I honor the man in the sense that he, um, is an outstanding Bible expositor. Um, and you've got to, I just think you've got to honor what is honorable. What's so interesting with the whole Kanye West thing and his conversion and his Jesus King album, very few people know that he is being discipled by a church planter from John MacArthur's Bible college, uh, master seminary you know oh wow and uh yeah and so um hmm. so you know there's 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 much good that has come out of there but i i i just uh, macarthur is a is a guy who, who sees himself as sort of a watchman of truth and is hmm. very ready to pour fire on on anything that he feels strays from orthodoxy and you know i remember back in those days and i'm i'm telling story before i sort of lean into theology is I I remember um, in in the wake of MacArthur's charismatic chaos and and strange fire, there was this YouTube clip that came out out of Benny Hinn, who was one Mm. of MacArthur's primary candidates for why charismatic is chaos. Um, And, you know, Benny Hinn had these crusades where he would smack people with his coat and they would fall down and someone Mm. photoshopped uh, a lightsaber, Star Wars lightsaber in his hand. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but he walked around the stage smacking people with his lightsaber and they flew all over the place. And, you know, that that YouTube, as hilarious as it was, was a bit of a tipping point for me and my friends hmm. in the sense that some of my friends would just went, if that's charismatic, I'm not charismatic. Right. And And, and I had to say, I am charismatic, but not that kind of charismatic. Yeah. It was it was a tipping point, and 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 MacArthur was kind of a catalyst for that, yeah. um, because of his 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 critique, right critique in some ways of that kind of charismatia. Mm. I want to say that for me, listening to that uh, interview uh, at his conference, 50th anniversary conference a week ago, where he uh, just spoke about Beth Moore, and you've discussed that on your podcast, and said go home, and then the the laughter and the just disrespect and just, I just want to say completely unchristlike behavior. I find myself thinking this may be a tipping point for complementarians mm. <laughs> because some could go, mm. I, I want nothing to do with that. You know, right. I, I, I can't be complementarian, just like guys did with the Benny Hinn thing back in that day. Yeah. For me, it's actually, man, I am complementarian. I'm not that kind of complementarian. I, I want nothing to do with that kind of culture. Um, 
and 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 so that that's that's what I would say is that I mean that's why I'm willing to go on a podcast like this, which is dangerous in some ways. Mm. Doesn't have to be, um, but but I have wanted an opportunity just to say, man, we're not all like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, yep. And both, I think, in culture and conviction. Uh, I mean, firstly, even if you completely disagree with women preachers and Beth Moore preaching. You just don't do that. Mm. Um, you just don't do that to to women or anyone. And there's just a kind of an old boys locker room bully kind of culture that is just unchristlike. And I just mm. distance myself from that. Um, and I just loved her response, which was so gracious and so, mm. you know, I mean, she just didn't fight fire with fire and. I, I, I hope that he regrets um, what he says. I, I don't know whether he does. Hmm. Um, but I, I, I think as well it's important, and people like Sam Storms and others have, have blogged really well on just responding to the disrespect. And I think so that's been put out there. Right. I, I, I want to say in terms of the, the, the disrespect, absolutely. But I would say even in terms of culture, um, just like there would be different kinds of charismatic, there are different kinds of complementarian, yeah. and and uh, there there's there's nuance and there's a bandwidth. And I just want to say, man, um, we know that for many egalitarians, we will never satisfy where they stand theologically. But but within our theological convictions, really are working hard to find complementarity and i think that's so often what happens complementarianism has more to do with what women can't do mm -hmm. than what men and women can do together mm -hmm. um and and the beautiful complementing of uh difference and uh two are better than one uh the kind of trinitarian unity and diversity and i i just would love to explore that yes. um and so, I mean, at base, you've just got to start at Genesis one. Um, so let's. So so, what was it? Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I wanna. Yeah. I wanna. I want to sort of get into what was it that yeah. pulled you yeah. away from what your inherited culture was? Because my yeah. inherited culture was complementarianism. Okay. Um, and the more I studied some of the text, the more open I became. Yes. To the alternative, yeah. Um, was that a similar journey for you? What was that? What was that like? Yeah, it's 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 a great question. I think um, again, not just church, but the the university. My wife and I went to strongly feminist university, you know, and so um, I think we came into marriage um, wrestling with the Ephesians five texts, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there's all sorts of takes on that, but just mm -hmm. couldn't get away from the fact that while there was the submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's a mutual submission. You have to do theological flick flacks to, um, uh, to say men and women in marriage are to operate exactly the same with exactly the same roles. Mm -hmm. There are some things that are, are the same and others that are, that are just different. Um, and so what do you do with the S word, the submission word, you know? And so we started to study that. And my wife studied at a Bible college that was the whole church was led by a woman. And so they had a very different take on that. And we just had to wrestle with that and just say, no, we, we, we land differently. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and what, it, what is it to follow the example of Christ in terms of, of, of submission? 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Renelle, uh, my wife, we've been married for 25 years. She wrestled for the first decade and I wrestled with what it was to be a husband to her, a servant leader, you know, laying down my life. But actually, what do you do with that head word, mm-hmm. uh, which is not uh, the RK sort of subjugate. It's, it's, it's the kafale uh, word, which is, which is kind of to, to, to lead as a soldier would lead a troop into battle. It's, it's, it's got far more to do with price than privilege, you know, mm, mm. and uh, what does leadership look like? That's, that's not about privilege and not about subjugation, but, but about uh, servanthood and, and pride. So I think that's where we started mm-hmm. uh, and then found, I think a, a more robust Genesis theology where, you know, in the words of N.T. Wright, Genesis is about the combining of binaries in a complementary combination. So he Mm -hmm. says, in creation, there was night and day, uh, heavens and earth, Mm -hmm. sea and the dry land, men and women. (laughs) And there was this combining of what he calls binaries. You know, uh, Peter Kreef, the, the Catholic theologian, is is echoes the same thing. Karl Barth, you know, the fullness of being male is realized only in relationship with f- female mm-hmm. and vice versa. So, so there's just a history of great theological uh, kind of convincing stuff. Even C.S. Lewis just saying, actually equal value, but, but different role. Um, and so we just started to say, so what does that look like that doesn't have such a narrow bandwidth that it's, just Victorian. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I then came back to Jesus, who I would say was a great woman's liberator, mm-hmm. a great woman's dignifier, who was friends with women, was w- willing to break Jewish convention by, mm-hmm. by you know, uh, having mm-hmm. perfume from a prostitute broken over him, by talking to a woman, uh, you know, at a well by himself, by, mm-hmm. by protecting a woman caught in adultery, all these things that you have to say he broke convention and yet chose 12 male apostles. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? Like, Mm -hmm. you can hate that, but it's there, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we we, we just began to to arrive at a a conviction that that function didn't equal value. Mm. Um, And also that we were to be aware of male and female stereotypes. So so, so hold a a theology that can cope with Deborah the judge. Um, and, and so for me to be a woman does not mean to have no government. Uh, it just means that both in the, in the family and, and also in the family of God, there are roles, um, and they're not interchangeable. Okay. So that's a huge, that's a huge distinction. So yes, equal in value, no question. Where do you, what are some examples of the things that you see in Genesis that, that where roles are kind of derived? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in Genesis, you see dominion given to both Adam and Eve, uh, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but it's not an equal, it's, it's not, it's not an interchangeable dominion in the sense that Eve was taken out of, uh, Adam, um, and, and, and Paul and Jesus used that as a, as an argument for the differences in, in role. And her wor- her, her name is helper. I've heard you teach on this Ezra. Uh, which, which is, is a helper to a man, uh, to, to her man. And that word, it's not a, it's not a, um, subjugated helper. God uses that for himself. It's actually an elevated, um, it's a very dignified word. And, and, and so I think our culture has said, well, 
if if Eve was a helper, that must be less than. But actually, the difference for me is dignified by God because He uses that for the way He helps us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it is a different role. Um, and then you see in uh, in the curse in in Genesis where. Mm-hmm. Uh, the curse puts Adam and Eve against one another. So this partnership, this united in diversity becomes, he shall rule over you, right. uh, which is a corruption of God's desire for a man to lead. And she shall usurp the man, which is a corruption of God's desire for her to be a helper. Hmm. And so, you know, when you see Jesus' redemption of the corruption of the curse, it's not, I believe, to nothing, <laughs> Uh, in the same way that w- when he says in Christ, there is no, neither male nor female, nor Greek nor Jew. It doesn't mean Greeks mustn't be Greek and Jews mustn't be Jew. It, it's not a removal of culture. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a redemption of culture. So neither male nor female, people often just say, so therefore there's nothing. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, there is the fully redeemed version of the Adam and the Eve. So that, that's my very simplistic, mm-hmm. um, way of understanding Genesis. Um, and How do you when you say Jesus references that? I, mm-hmm. I'm not. I I know Paul, of course. Yeah. But what what Jesus passage are you you thinking well, I, about? I, I'm I'm just referencing more uh, Jesus talking about um, about marriage. He references the uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Yes, Jen, yes. for this reason a man shall leave yeah. his father and mother and and cleave to his wife. So so he envisioned this one flesh union. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so yeah, for me that's that's the way he. He, mm-hmm. uh, he so do you see so do you see the Ephesians 5 submit yeah. and um, love or lay down yeah. your life yeah. is the reversal of the fall yes I do I do okay so I so do. the head then doesn't domineer but serves yeah and the responder doesn't try to usurp but submits that's right yeah okay and so look I do I do believe it's dangerous to take what is mysterious and sacred in marriage and then superimpose it onto all culture and and you know because marriage is 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 a mysterious mirror of of the trinity you know Mm. and yet somehow in the family of god the church i believe there should be some mysterious mirroring of that so Uh, so so i don't have any problem with uh women professors and women presidents and mayors and you know etc but somehow in the family of god there's a mysterious mirroring i believe okay family yeah so you okay so you would disagree with piper and grudem yeah, i would i would stand aside from him yeah okay that that it, and all they're arguing is listen if it's a created order thing then that's true everywhere yeah and uh, you're I'm saying sure. it doesn't have to be true everywhere but particularly in the redeemed community is modeled after marriage yes okay got it and so for, for, for me, very simply, and I think, I think I have to give a little bit of a context in terms of Southlands is not big into titles. Um, mm-hmm. I, I spend much time telling our flock, please don't call me Pastor Allen. I'm just not into, <laughs> into that, you know. And, and so, so when I say we don't have women pastors, I just want to give a, a background to that. It's like even our men, we're not big into titles. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, if, if people say, oh, are you, are you the senior pastor here? I say, I'm, I'm one of the pastors, but mm-hmm. please call me Alan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think part of this conversation has got locked up into title mm-hmm. and power, not all of it, but some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say, man, surely in the church, we should be primarily thinking about family. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the primary 
uh, metaphor that God uses for his church, the family of God. And so I want to see fathers and mothers in the family. And so from my point of view, an elder, which is what we, our term for what you might call a pastor, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which part of what they do is shepherding, but mm-hmm. there's a governing and a guarding. An elder is like a father and an elder's wife is like a mother. And we want to see mothers come into uh, their their full call to be mothers in the church. Um, and um, and so to say, well, why can't why can't a woman be an elder? I just want to say, but why do you want a mother to be a father? Hmm. I just see it like that. I, an elder in first First Timothy three is a man who who has a has a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to say, no, no, I want to, I want elders' wives to be to be mothers in the church and explore that. And I don't think that we have fully explored that. I, I don't look at our culture and say, we are there, we've arrived. But I'm saying that's the framework with which I am tack, trying to tackle this. Yeah. Would you ever? Um, and, and this is this is not a, a setup question. I just want to yep. know how it works out. Would you ever have a, a woman teach on Sundays? We do. Would, okay, you do. Yeah, and. Next month we've got two. Okay, perfect. And how do you? How do you? So some complementarians would say, "Bro, yeah, come on, man. Here's where Timothy comes in, yeah, right?" I know. So, I know. so how would you? How would you respond to that critique? Yeah. So for me, there's two kinds of teaching in Scripture. I think the first Timothy two is um, authoritative teaching. Okay, so it's, uh, in the know, and there's referencing yeah, one yeah. kind of teaching. Yes, it's yeah. teaching with authority. With authority, okay. which, which again would be for me, I, it's, that's not even about a man or, or woman thing. That's an elder, non-elder thing. So mm. I wouldn't allow uh, a non-elder male to teach in that sort of way, which is setting doctrine, correcting doctrine, bringing government. Mm. Um, but but then there's the the... the uh, the Romans 12, uh, mm-hmm. let, let, let him teaches, um, mm-hmm. teach diligently. Mm-hmm. That is non-gender. Um, and right. uh, the lead, let, let, let him who lead, leads with zeal. So for me, there's a, there's a bandwidth for a gifted teacher and leader who are non-elder to lead and teach, but not in the way that is governmental in the sense of correcting doctrine setting new doctrine, setting new vision. For me, that's an elder role. Now, again, you can disagree. Others can disagree. But that's the, that, that's the reason I give to our congregation why we will have non-elder men and women teach on Sundays. Mm-hmm. It's gifted, not office yeah. at yeah. that point. That's right. But there is a unique office yeah. and, yes. and teaching that comes from that office. That's right. And not all our elders have that either. Right. Um, so you know, because it's the combination, right? It's yeah. the it's the, it's gift the gifting of and office, yeah. and the office. Yeah. So, so first Timothy five, let the elder who who rules well, whose job is preaching and teaching, mm-hmm. receive double honor. And so there, there's a job of preaching and teaching for me that is an elder's job, mm-hmm. and then we call in gifted non-elder men and women mm-hmm. to teach. What do you when you look at the egalitarian position? And and yeah. as always, there are varieties, but just talk in the most general overly simplified terms, what do you see as some of the great weaknesses? Um, I think probably, Mike, one of the weaknesses is a loss of team. Hmm. You know, I've got, a, I've got a friend uh, who leads a church in our city, 
dear friend who's egalitarian. He's a um, he's a he's an outstanding man. Um, he's he's passed it here for almost thirty years, and mm-hmm. he's got a doctorate, and he's just amazing. And and he said to me one day, you know, I disagree with your position, but I have to say, I am I envy the sense of team that you have with your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, my my wife is a pastor. She does worship and um and women's ministry and you know it's it, i i love the fact that she carries that same title and role but we we like pass like ships in the night mm. um and so i think that what he was essentially saying is we're not a mother and father in this house we 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 we, we ministers mm. um and mm. i see something of it so you know my wife and i last night were were counseling um two new believers who joined our church. I baptized them both in the last year. They joined our church as a young couple with the, who were pregnant mm-hmm. and we're doing premarital with them. And I just, I, I just go, I, I, I can't imagine doing this without Renelle there. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. and she's mothering, um, not just the woman. She's like Priscilla uh, with right. Priscilla and Aquila teaching the man as well. You know, I, I just, right. for me, there, there's, 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 a, there's a mother voice that's, that's so vital. So I think that's the one thing that gets missed mm-hmm. Um, not always, but I see it missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the, the other thing I, I see um, is a tendency to not realize that there can still be abuse of women in egalitarian churches. Oh, obviously. Um, so, you know, it's very easy to look at the, the complementarian thing as egalitarians and say, well, well, you're not giving women authority or opportunity, so there's abuse. But you know, I mean, again, I don't want to point fingers, but the 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 recent um, Willow Creek Highball Absolutely. Absolutely. fiasco, you know, he just appointed a woman senior pastor, but there was terrible abuse of women behind the scenes. So I, I just think to be careful to not be self-righteous and go like, well, so there'll be no, no abuse of women because we're giving them position right. Um, right. And, and, and power. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about theologically? Do you do, What do you think some of the... What are some of the weaker arguments you've heard? I think um, I think some of the weaker arguments I've heard are when people teach Genesis, uh, not Genesis. Well, yeah, Genesis three, uh, where where they 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 look at the curse and they say, well, see, Jesus redeemed that curse, and so then they just flatten everything out mm-hmm. um, because Adam ruled and she usurped, and so Jesus flattens everything out. And I, mm-hmm. I'm just like, what do you do with not just Ephesians five? What do you do with First Peter two, where, mm-hmm. where 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 Peter talks to to husbands and says, treat the woman as a weaker vessel, mm-hmm. which even that is a is you've got to be careful with what that is. That's like a fragile vase which is more costly and you know and if you don't uh your prayers will be hindered you know uh and 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 so i mean those are tough ones in our day and age but they they just kind of cut and paste that i'm just saying man at least wrestle with that please wrestle with that what does Mm -hmm. that look like so generally marriages in our church that that have chucked out any degree of submission and leadership um there's often real tension around decision making Mm. real tension because there's no one who has a tie-breaking um, power. Mm-hmm. Um, so you ask me, I've been married for 25 years. How many mm-hmm. times I've actually just said, okay, I'm the leader. I'm going to zero, <laughs> zero. But there have been times. So the vast majority of our decision-making is us collaborating. But right. there have been probably five occasions in 25 years when Renell has said to me, 
you're the leader, go and hear God. Right. We, we, we can't agree. And, 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 and I have done that with fear and trembling at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I see egalitarian mar- marriages um, lacking that. They get paralyzed often. Do you, so, so this is an interesting, interesting question to me. So if the elder board and the home are to model, are models of the same sort of reality. Yeah. On the elder board, you operate as a first among equals by consensus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But then in the home, there may be instances, maybe, where the man makes the decision. Is that true on the elder board too? Yeah, if the elder board's it, deadlocked, yeah, yeah, I would have play out. tie-breaking power. Um, okay, and uh, but in our in our uh, uh, what's what's it called minutes? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bylaws, now bylaws. Uh, you know, yeah. there are some aspects like major financial decisions, major doctrinal decisions, mm. major uh, ordination of new elders, planting of new churches, where I do not have tie-breaking power where if there's not consensus, it ain't going to happen. So it's limited it. power. But Got there it. have been moments where guys have said, man, we've talked, we, we, we we're in stalemate. I'll go and hear God. You, mm-hmm. We're giving you. Uh, again, I've led here for nine years. I can count those times on my hand. Totally. But, but again, what's hugely helpful is every second week, we meet every week, every second week we meet with our wives. Mm. Because they're mothers in the church, and often the woman's intuitive gift helps us with big decisions. And they, so at that time, they, so they're just providing wisdom. They are. Not, they, yeah. they are. It's it's what what I would say. It would be perspective, um, and um, and often it's strong perspective. Um, we've got some <laughs> very very strong wives, um, as well as that we have a financial council of non-elder both men and women, where on big financial stuff, we will go to them and say, help us with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's, it's really, it's, it's not tokenism. It's receiving counsel from them. And then they say, okay, we trust you. You, you go and make the decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, and now I know that's not going to satisfy every woman. I'm just saying, yeah, I think many egalitarians don't realize that there might be some nuance to the way this works itself out. Well, that, and that's why I wanted to have this conversation. What are some, of the other stereotypes that you think egalitarians have of complementarians. So I one think, would be they're monolithic yeah. and there's no nuance. Yeah, one think, would be there's abuse and yeah. it's only that direction. I think the other would be they are um, their wives or the women are introverted, um, non-career, non-ambitious homeschoolers. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I just want to say, man, we have got some such wonderfully high-powered uh, ladies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that, that I just celebrate. It's just amazing. That are better known in, in government and business and education than any of our elders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I, I just want to make space for the Phoebes and the Debras and the Esters and the Priscillas. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with a strong woman. <clears throat> there's plenty wrong with a weak man. Mm. And and to be honest, I know the complementarians, many of them are kind of locker room or they come across as locker room bully boys. I would say in California, I find the exact opposite stereotype where the average couple we sit with doing marriage counsel or premarital, the woman is a more naturally strong leader than the man. Mm. And the man has lost confidence because any strong leadership as a man is is made to look like chauvinism. <clears throat> mm. And okay, so, so honestly, I mean, I, I, 
I would say I would say a stereotype of it's the weak, demure woman. Uh, that's just not true. Mm. Um, and then I would say the other stereotype is uh, in ministries here that women would primarily be in children's ministry and counseling, and that's it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just say, you know, beyond teaching, we've got um, directors of, yes, directors of children's ministry, but a lot of our most powerful mercy and justice stuff is uh, led by women on our financial council. Women, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, life, group lead, life groups are led by single women. Um, worship teams led by uh, women. And so, you know, some very strong ministry women. Could, could a single man be an elder? We have done that before. And it hasn't, hasn't worked well. So oh, not, okay. by, not by um, theological conviction, no, no. But more uh, by just like wisdom I, and perspective. In 23 years, I've seen, it, I've seen it twice, and both times those guys fell terribly. Mm. So I, I, I don't know, man. Just by experience, I'm cautious, but I, 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 I can't make a law about it. Yeah. When, when you say so... Nothing wrong with strong women, but there is something wrong with weak men. Yeah. That will strike some as, okay, well, here's here comes the Driscoll, you know, know. sort of know. definition of masculinity. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? You know, um, one of the stories, Mike, that I love, um, just that points to the grace of God, because we know that, that God is always overturning social convention, mm. and um, he, he shames the strong. Um, uh, because his, his weakness is, his power is made perfect in our weakness. So if you look at the Jacob and Esau narrative, mm. uh, where, you know, the alpha male Esau, hairy hunter, favorite of his father was supposed to get the birthright and who got it? It was Jacob, a smooth mama's boy who was in the kitchen, <laughs> yeah, uh, who hated hunting and he was, he yeah. was, a, he was scheming and, and the Lord gave the birthright to, to Jacob, um, and yes, there was some character working uh, out for, for Jacob. He, God gave him a limp and, you know, his name was changed from schema to wrestles with God, etc. But um, I just, for, for me, I really rail against the Esau definition of what it means to be a strong man. Mm. Because actually Esau had his own weakness. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and it was he... he he, he, he was hot blooded and he made rash decisions and, you know, uh, <laughs> his appetites got the better of him, et cetera. So to yeah. say, well, Esau is strong. It's like, you know, that's locker room kind of stuff. It's, it's more narrow than scripture is because mm. the Lord mm. somehow chose Jacob, you know, mm. and, and, you know, I mean, you and I are both Gen Xers, I think. Um, mm. and, Absolutely. And, and we and tend proudly. To, yeah. And we tend to get grumpy. Uh, uh, I do certainly about millennials or, you know, iGen being more sort of snowflake and soft and whatever. And, and, and I, I do have that concern at, at times, mm. but I just think we've got to be really careful not to superimpose a cultural definition of what it means to be a strong man. Jesus mm. is our example of what it means to be strong man, strong man. And I think, you know, Yes, Jesus turned over temples, but he also wept at his dead friend's mm-hmm. tomb mm-hmm. Um, and was comfortable having conversations one-on-one with m- women. One of my big problems with the strong man thing is that they are so uncomfortable having conversations one-on-one with, with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's yeah. just, that's not biblical masculinity. 
Come on. I think that's partly because of the Billy Graham rule, yeah. you know, never have a one-on-one -on -one yeah. with women. It, it's actually, I, I get it morally, but it's actually robbed women of dignity, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and what mm -hmm. I've found is in our church, there are many women that are fine with our, with our, our church government, but what they want is they want some FaceTime with me. And they don't want me to, they don't want to feel like they are just like a temptation to me, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what is it to treat them like sisters with absolute purity, but have a good relationship with them? Come on, Timothy. And I, yeah. And I've tried to do that. I've tried to do that. I don't know if we have, but I, I, I've tried to set that culture. We need to change that culture. Alan, listen, I, I'm very grateful um, that you are willing to step into this because it really is easy to caricature, really is easy to stereotype, yeah. um, nuance, you know, Christianity isn't known these days for its nuance in conversation. Sure. Sure. So, so thank you Absolutely. for just kind of opening up your church and your beliefs to conversation. I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah. If people are going to find you online, where would they find you? Um, AlanFrau.com blogspot.com oh spell frau uh, a l a n f r o w there it is um and and it's just a link on uh, at southlands.net yeah um is our uh, is our website yep and uh you can find my most recent book on amazon it's called that's broken, what i'm talking about what blessing. was that one and what was that one called broken for blessing there it is the underrated potential of the medium-sized multiplying church boom so that's that was the medium-sized multiplying yeah. joke I was making yeah. earlier. I was like, come on, baby. Come on. So, Alan, my friend, thank you oh, no, so you're, much. You're welcome. Thanks for You are a fantastic interviewer. Uh, you are excellent. Uh, it's a pleasure to. Oh, to bro. Thanks for your open heart and, and uh, clear mind. Oh, <laughs> well, I'll give you one for two, but I won't tell you which one. Um, all right. So hold on. I'm going to turn off the recording stuff, and I'd just love to say thank you personally. All right? So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Alan, I think, is incredibly articulate. And uh, this is kind of the complementarian view that I come from. Right? This was my my view. So in, 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 in some ways, I really, I mean, he's nuanced it in some unique ways, and they practice it in some unique ways. But um, this was kind of the view um, that I evolved into in, you know, kind of out of seminary and into the practical church leadership. So the biggest thing is just kudos to him for being specific um, when it's really easy not to, and just to avoid, you know, the questions that might make some uncomfortable. I just, I have such respect for how he and um, his community just want to follow the text regardless, you know, even mm -hmm. if it's not incredibly popular. And so anyway, I just, I, I appreciated that very much. Um, and his willingness just to come on and talk about it. So, uh, Bonnie, what were some of your as you as you listen to that? What were some of what were some of the things that uh, that surprised you, if anything? Mm -hmm. Anything that uh, you particularly uh, thought? Oh, that's a good point. Anything along those lines? Yeah. Well, first, you know that his view of complementarian actually was a little bit more progressive than the one I inherited. Mm. So for me, even the fact that he really values partnership. And when he was talking about that, um, his his seemed actually a lot more progressive than the one I was um, 
yeah like used to follow so that that was kind of interesting for me to hear because i haven't heard that nuanced side of it so mm. that was neat um and one thing that i just made me think was um when he was discussing his relationship with his friend who is the um egalitarian pastor yeah the pastor's yeah. friend and his friend said um you know I, I disagree with you but one thing i um i think he, correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like he said that i'm jealous of or that i envy Your or something team. like that yeah the sense it, of team yes the sense of team yeah. and that was fascinating to me because um the question i would ask there and not to disagree but just to probe deeper would be is at what point is that do is that part of the system or is that part of the people if that mm. makes sense like totally because sense. some of these things are just different in marriage like my husband and i have been on very different career tracks sometimes they intertwine sometimes they not but sometimes we act like more of a team than we don't just depending on um, yeah. life stage or, you know what I mean? So for me, when those kind of questions come up, the, um, the thought I have is how much can we attribute that to this system that we're following or a theology that we're following and how much can we attribute to just personality? Honestly, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I remember um, I very much tried to make Justy a pastor's wife and mm. it, based on whatever expectations there are like you just well, like heard course, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. do ministry together and it's gonna be amazing and we're <laughs> yeah. one flesh and it's gonna be awesome and no not even remotely at all was it those things in fact um uh there was a sense in which she was not called into my ministry which is what i was trying to do she was called into her own Right, right, right. And um, and so I, I get I get what's being said there that yeah I mean if the view is that um, we're eldering the church together, mm -hmm. um, I think that's I have a lot of respect for that. I think that's wise. It's something we tried to implement at Rock Harbor too. Was that yeah. our that the spouses were they had significant wisdom and input, um, mothering in his words. Mm -hmm. um, but but uh, man I. Like just being on staff and not an elder, so just being a pastor to try to figure out what that looked like and mm -hmm. to try to sort of put that expectation on her was uh, was hard for us, you know. Right, right, yeah. Um, it didn't. So I'm with you in terms. Yeah, of, I mean yeah, that's yeah, just a question I would ask in my own marriage. You know what I mean? Right. Like if we were having conflict or something like that when it came down to leadership. And the other question I would ask there, I guess the same thing would be. Um, the starting point for those conversations. So if you were in a church or like say it was me, say it was me and my husband and I was trying to decide if I could, like we thought it was biblically okay or theologically acceptable to become a woman in ministry. Um, and we had conflict. I would ask what that conflict was, like where it stemmed from. Is it because we didn't believe the same things biblically or was it just because we are both trying to be leaders and that is tough? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yep. No, I think that's really good. That's a great question. I didn't. Yeah. It, that didn't. I that didn't jump out at me, but but I'm also what did jump out was the temptation. I think to see myself as central, and that her world orbits around mine. Mm. And so mm -hmm. that so that what team turns out to mean in that circle is that she's my helper rather than me being her helper and whatever her ministry is too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Or but that one's would... more important or that one yeah, has I mean, to take precedence. Yes. Or, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and, and Alan would never 
never say that, nor no. people who yeah. are biblically nuanced in any way that it's not at all an issue of importance. But he was like, uh, men and women in marriage are not exactly the same and they don't have exactly the same roles. Mm-hmm. And that's also true in the church because they both reflect kind of the mystery of the Trinitarian God. I loved what you said, like that, that doesn't mean we, we force that onto culture. Like that's a great, that's a great step away from the consistency of guys like John Piper and Wayne Grudem who argue, listen, women should never be an authority over men anywhere. It's right. a violation of their design. It does violence to them um, just by, you know, having a, a female boss and a male subordinate. Right. So right, right. hallelujah, we've moved on um, <laughs> from from that one. But but for him and Bonnie, I, I want to know what you think of this. So so um, th- these are not so they're both given domain, but it's not interchangeable domain. So one of the things I consistently heard him express in several different questions was the, 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 the flattening of any differences between male and female um, in the egalitarian sort of how you would work egalitarianism out in practically in the church, right? So he talks about men and women aren't exactly the same or don't ha- exactly have the same roles, the roles uh, he talks about, are they're not interchangeable. The domain is given to both, but that's but they're, it's not interchangeable domains. Mm-hmm. Um, when, so, so as you're uh, processing through that, what do, you, what do you hear? I mean, do you think there's truth um, to the, um, we are complementary, and we can say that there are, there are differences built into us in virtue of being male or female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think for sure that's obvious. Even just in um, having children, right? Like that's <laughs> an obvious <laughs> difference there. Um, but you're but, but you're saying that's bigger than physical, right? No, yeah. So no. what I'm saying though is because of that physical difference, there's a different way that I connect with the kids, or I look at the like. There's a mothering like in in that sense yeah. that's different yeah. than a fathering. That's for sure. I've just witnessed it and experienced it. Um. But I would question something I would question is the way the importance of and I learned this from Gombus. I mean, there goes <laughs> there goes the, uh, the game. There's again. the drinking game. Exactly. I learned this from Gombus, but to what degree we're putting our idea of a nuclear family on the church? That's a question I would have because mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure th- that is for me to say, well, my family is then mirrored in the church or whatever. That's fine for me as a like upper middle class white family in America, but that's not the case for everybody. The nuclear family, like husband, wife, two and a half kids, that's not what is happening for a lot of people in the world. So I would I would wonder about that. But oh, I would no, hold on, no, no, oh. nope. Can we stop there? I think yes. that's a really. Were you going on to a separate point? Yes, yeah, I wanted point. to make sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. I want to hit this, Bonnie, because I think. As you're saying it, I'm going, ooh, that's a that's really a big deal because the cause because what one of the things I took from the interview that I really liked, not liked, but agreed with, is the idea that there should be mothering and fathering. Yeah, and um, I would agree and, with that. In, I think in you have shepherding to have both. of children and shepherding of the church. Absolutely. Yeah. But 
the way he's framing mothering and fathering is around the idea of marriage, which he would say is, is the reflection of the, the, this Trinitarian mystery that is, exists in the church, according to Paul in Ephesians. Right. Um, and so that the mothering and the fathering have, have to come from husbands and wives who are married to each other. Whereas yeah. what we would want to say is that the first century household was not bound um, by that framework um, so that there could be mothering and fathering from other members in the household and not just the husband and the wife. Is that is that what I'm am I yes. picking up what you're putting down? Bob? Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, you're exactly right. That's exactly what I would say is that our definition of it is different than the first century. So I hesitate there just wondering how much we're putting on to that. Um, and then if so, if we say, if, if you do say, if you do land on, no, it is, our definition is the same. Then what do we do with people who are single moms or who are widowed or widowers? They're like, what do we do in that situation? Are they mm-hmm. then excluded? Um, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It kind of breaks down for me. I, I, I wonder about that and I can't speak to it because that's not my situation, but my, I would then go to those people and ask them and hear their voice in it. Right. Right. Um, so, so a question would be if the household of God, uh, doesn't mean the American house. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is, you know, but but I would imagine he would say, hey, listen, but there is this Trinitarian mystery involved mm-hmm. between husband and wife and church and Christ that isn't true everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and we'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then our response would be, but, and, and he spoke to this a little bit about a single man. He's like, well, there's nothing that says you couldn't be a single man, but wisdom you know, his experience has suggested that there's something about an un, there's something about marriage that matures or um, uh, seasons us in ways that you don't get otherwise, unless you're an exception. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I can, I can see that. I wouldn't want to press the point too, too much, but I think the Gombus Bonnie point, or as I call it, Bombus, is <laughs> the. <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's an interesting thing I'd want to spend more time on. Yeah. Well, and I think when I hear, heard mothering, fathering, that language he used actually really spoke to me because I was like, yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. Um, but the way I view it as making the most sense or bringing the most full picture is that we want a mother and father because God is in both a, a male and female. Yeah. Yes. No, no, no question. Um, so and, for and Paul, me, it like yes. went it's for better or worse it went beyond the role question and going oh but for me that's because this is this is what god is like do you know but what i mean we would agree yes absolutely and i think that's where there can be a misunderstanding of of some forms of the egalitarian position where we're not saying mothering and fathering is the same thing it's not right. the same role it's not the same job it requires different sets of some things right right the, those aren't interchangeable is what we're saying. So we right. agree. We agree there. Yeah. We agree with uh, no, that no mothering and fathering are different things. Absolutely. We're not going to stereotype them or straitjacket them according to 20th century versions, right. 21st century versions of mothering and fathering. Um, so that, I think that's a legitimate counterpoint, but nor are we going to say that, listen, 
uh, mothers and fathers are interchangeable. Nope, they each bring something unique, and that is why it takes both of them to reflect the image of God. Right. So, like, for example, I would never say... Some people will say to me, like, oh, you're just a feminist. You don't want men in power. And I'm like, no, I want equal power because we both are equally important. So just as I feel, if you have a church and it's only a man, only men, you're discounting right. half the church. The same would be true if it was only women. You're discounting half the church. Right. So um, look at you go. I know. Um, but that is true. So if we want to have this big picture, it has to be both. So it's tough for me because I don't necessarily, when we talk about roles is where I would say, I have a question there is that I would go, well, I do think for, in terms of mothering and fathering, like we said, they're two distinct roles, but they're both needed. Right. That both voices are needed. So um, so it actually turns out to be an argument for why women should be included in leadership and why he, even though he's a complementarian, insists on having wives at the half of their elder meetings, right. but just not in a very specific function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. What are you thinking, Stafford? Which is I that, can't read your bearded face. A... <laughs> I just... I... I think I, I grew up in this mindset or in a church that, but I, you know, we didn't, I didn't know these names or these terms mm-hmm. forever. You know, complementarianism yeah, wasn't there. It wasn't on the church bulletin. Uh, no, it was just, the, so, but, it was the biblical view. Right. Yeah. But they didn't, I don't feel like they, I don't remember anyone actually saying that. It was just by example that no woman ever taught. Right. Uh, women ran, maybe ran the children's ministry. You know, they'd march the kids up to sing a song at whatever point in the seasonal year or whatever, or maybe made announcements or ran a women's Bible study or something to that. But they were never up there right. doing anything that was like in a leadership role. Right. But with this, I'm curious, is it, and I'm asking you guys, is it, is it a, is it a matter of semantics? Like, is it titles? Because it's like, yes, no, we, we will let women teach. Yes, we will allow, we want their wisdom in these meetings and they play this role. Is it just, is it just like, but we just won't give them the title of. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No, so, so great question, Tim. And I want to sp- jump in for Alan, uh, even though he might not answer this way, this is how I would have answered. Um, there's a difference between office um, and, and gifting. And so what he might might say, or, or what someone from this camp might say, is that, listen, 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 what Paul prohibits, and, and, and again, we didn't get into the exegesis of this passage, but what Paul, Paul prohibits in 1 Timothy 2 is a kind of teaching, not all teaching, mm-hmm. because you have 1 Corinthians 11 where women are prophesying in the assembly, but, but when he says, I do not permit a woman to, have, to teach or have authority over a man. Um, so is that and there, teach and have authority, are those two separate things or is that one thing? And, he, and Alan's saying, no, it's one thing. It's a kind of teaching that has an authority that only belongs to the elders in the Bible. And so women can come, they can serve, lead, teach, whatever their gifts are, absolutely. But but notice he said, there. but there's, there's this other... There's this other function in the church of, of doctrine, guarding doctrine, preserving doctrine, correcting doctrine, you know, that kind of exercising discipline, I would imagine, that that is, that is, uh, that is for males. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that, and that was kind of, to go back one step to MacArthur, 
that was a lot of the narcissism. Mm. Like she, she just right as I'm, I'm asking, is that what he when he was just like she, she makes it all about her. She puts herself into every. She puts herself into the text. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is that what he's arguing? Is that kind of idea that I don't know. Well, he may hold. There's an older. There's an older complementarian view that no one in their right mind articulates today, um, but that that women are just more easily deceived, and um, and so Paul seems seems to hint at that, although I don't think he is. Um, but that women are more gullible and um, are not, you know, need to be protected and shepherded um, because of that differently you know what i mean can i throw a wrench in these questions i just thought of it do it um so in the culture that we have now we have a lot of people that go to church we have a lot of people that don't go to a church so if you find yourself as a christian but you're not in a church um like Beth Moore, for example, right? Okay, like right. what is their problem with Beth Moore in general? Is it that she's a pastor at an actual brick-and-mortar church? I don't think so. I think it's the wider global church. So my question hmm. to you, Ari, is in this context and in these conversations, is Paul talking about like these communities or is he talking about the bigger thing? Because I know, I know people, I know women that don't think women can be pastors or elders, but then they have a huge speaking preaching ministry right, right. outside of a church so i'm to yes. me i'm like i don't get that like i i don't know so what do you right. think there is is this global so, church is this that's such a great question bonnie the the distinctions so so the distinctions that we make between church and not church didn't exist back then right right i mean church was a people and you belong to that people or not whether or not you showed up mm-hmm. you know if you were a jesus person you were part of the church. And not only that, um, you had itinerant speakers, obviously back then, some of whom hurt the gospel, some of those, some, some of whom helped the gospel. And then um, you have uh, the, the, the idea, and this is where I think there, there was the big pushback on the Jen Hatmakers and the um, Glennon Doyle's and, and that whole tribe, Rachel Held Evans, mm-hmm. like these are women that are not operating under any ecclesiastical authority. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way that we would, that, that, you know, it's easy to just sit on the sideline and podcast. Um, mm-hmm. but you should be suspicious if you're not involved in a local body and under that authority in some way, shape or form that, mm. that the women who are exercising these huge ministries, even if they're not uh, involved in the church, it, it almost, it's not even a male female thing. It's just, Hey, they're operating under no ecclesial authority at all. So mm. if they become false teachers, there's nothing there uh, to correct or disciple um, out of their false teaching. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, it totally I, makes I make... sense. Uh, no, it, what you're saying makes sense. I understand what you're saying. I'm. So the I think logic Paul's referencing. I think Paul's referencing. Um, Paul's referencing the local communities, right? That's his context. Right. He's not addressing. He had no idea there'd be podcasts and Christian women's conferences and whatever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and we do have some of those global speakers who speak only to women. Okay. Um, so, so I don't know that, that we can take Timothy's words and say, 
true for everyone at all time the way some complementarians do, right? That's one of the mm-hmm. areas of disagreement we'd have. But but there is something, uh, and call me call me a fundy, but doggone it, <laughs> there is something to being in relationship with other believers um, and working out this application uh, uh, and and doctrine. There's something about that that's super important. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Do you think the important part of that is the working out part? I just don't know that the working out part's happening a lot. Say that more. Well, just that. So I have a really big question here, and I don't know the. I don't know. Do if it. I, I want to ask it. Well, body I, just I threw a to, wrench. Do it. Well, I don't want to take us off track. Do it. There's no track. Bigger, There's no track. There's no track. <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day and I was, we were talking, it's, I, okay, let me back that up one more step. I went and saw a very well-known, prominent uh, Christian author, pastor, speaker. And, and he, he was kind of trailing off into this real, reading a lot of the texts uh, about judgment, like really kind of right off the surface. And, and he really went into this judgment stuff. And I, it was throwing me all over the place. I was just, I don't know how to process this. I don't know how to deal with this. And his point is just kind of like, we don't pay attention enough to the, the scarier aspects of the Bible because we don't like to talk about it. Hmm. And then I, and I've been thinking about how like we're, we're in constant revelation, right? We're constantly like, Mike, you've changed your viewpoints on certain things that in the past may have been, uh, deal breakers. And now it's like, well, I kind of don't think that way anymore. And so, and just using you as an example, but, that's yep. been kind of the the trajectory of a lot of Christianity, right? Like we keep learning new things, and some of those things would have been either heretical or they would have been like, "You're going to hell for this." And now we're like, "Well, I don't know." So this idea that we base our salvation on some really big tenets that tend to change, I I I'm struggling with this idea of what actual judgment means. And mm. what actual like does that make sense? I, I, these conversations are happening all the time, and I think as mm. now that there's podcasts and there's voices and people are wrestling with big topics and yeah, um, it's just like everything. If everything's shifting and we don't really like listening to Mackie, and it's like well, I'm the, he's just peeling layer after layer off the Bible, and we're like, oh, oh my gosh, didn't know that was that way, and oh, this is this, and that changes the way we look at this or hear this, and it's like, well, if that's the case. <laughs> How do we process and live in all of that kind of stuff? And I say that I wrote that question down in frame of other things from this yeah. conversation. So it's not too far off track, I hope. Oh, he, and, Tim's and asking it, if, if I'm is. gonna get smited. That's what Tim's asking. <laughs> or I mean, smote? Is it smote? <laughs> smote. <laughs> Says Moana. Um, what do you think, Bonnie? Why don't you take crack at that one? No. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I know. I told you it was a de- it was a derailer. No, and I had more stuff that was in line with. No, it's just big. Um, I don't know. I, I I would rather respond to Erie's. Oh boy. Thing. I have thoughts. Um, Share the thoughts. One. So so there's a tension that exists even in the Bible that we have to respect both sides of today. One is one part of the tension is that there is an authoritative eyewitness tradition about what Jesus said and did that was handed down by the apostles and to their disciples and to, you know, now codified to some degree in the scriptures, right? Um, 
and I only say to some degree to make room for people who aren't sure this is the word of God. Um, and so there, Christianity, as we've talked about before, it's a, it's a received and revealed faith, right? It's not something we get to make up as we go. Right. So there, that is a very strong tenet. So there is a, there is, um, a very real sense in which you can riff all you want, but at some point you're no longer talking about Christianity, the historical apostolic religion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true. That's absolutely true. And, and on the other side of that tension is the ongoing work and movement of the Holy Spirit in the missionary impulse of God to draw all nations to himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you see that with, I mean, there are all sorts of examples of it, but you see that when Jesus is correcting some uh, pharisaical theology in Matthew, when he's talking about the, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that when, when Jesus actually says, hey, by the way, that concession on divorce, that was a concession. That was not the ideal. Uh, the ideals in Genesis 1 and 2, you know, he says that in Matthew 19. Um, you get that even when, you know, Paul and the author of Hebrews, you know, talk about how Jesus is kind of the full and final revelation of God, even though God had spoken before, right? Hebrews 1, God had spoken before to our forefathers through prophets and others, right? But now at this time, the fullness uh, of his son has been revealed in Jesus. So there's a very progressive sense, or even the, the maybe paradigm examples when Peter is on his rooftop and he sees the, the unclean animals that the law will really clear. Those are unclean. Those are not fit for you. And then, but then the Spirit's doing a new thing. Now, the new thing turned out to be a thing that was promised in the Old Testament, right? Mm. And I think that, so, so, so f- a couple of thoughts. First of all, I don't think we get to riff on the main stuff. Now, the big debate, of course, is what's the main stuff. We've had conversations about that. Secondly, I do think we get to look at facets. And, and what guys like Mackey are doing, are they're revealing facets that have been flattened out through 2,000 years of tradition, but particularly the last 500, where they're saying, hey, this has always been here. It's not like we're riffing on new stuff. This has actually been part of the old stuff because we're looking around and saying Christianity doesn't seem vibrant. It doesn't seem powerful. It doesn't seem experiential. It doesn't. It seems sort of shallow and hollow and empty and certainly not forming people who look like Jesus. And so it's quite natural to go back and say, well, somewhere we got off track. And, and so I think they're got what people like Mackey are doing aren't riffing on new stuff, but I think they're revealing stuff that's been there the whole time, but for cultural reasons and others. We've uh, we've turned a blind eye to along the way. Make sense mm-hmm. so far? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, when you get to um, when you when you the highest view of the Bible, I think, isn't the view that just says it's static, perfect, and um, and you know it was just like on gold, written on gold tablets and handed to us word for word. The highest view of the Bible is the interplay, the recognition of the interplay between the human author and audience and authors and the divine presence through the spirit of inspiration. And what I mean by that is God accommodates, like we've talked about before, to the culture in many, many ways uh, because it's triage while while at the same time still pulling us forward into the future. And you get that in the Bible. So, So you see this... This tradition 
bit that we don't get to riff on, but the spirit is moving bit, and, and the Bible doesn't cover these issues um, on some of the things we're wrestling with. And so we have to trust the spirit and to improvise uh, out of our comfortability with the word. Is this making sense so far? Yes. Yep. Thoughts, Bonnie? I don't have it. I'm just listening. <laughs> I, I'm just listening. I'm waiting. I don't have, the, I don't have extra or uh, countering thoughts. Okay. Well, as a translator of the Bible, I'm, I'm waiting. You're I'm on. waiting for thoughts. Um, <laughs> So Tim, does this make sense? Does this make sense so far? Yeah. Yes. And that, but it raises all the practical questions of well, um, what things do we get to riff on, and what things do we don't? And to me, that is that is the place where the working out that we talked about has to happen. Right. I don't have to work out. Um, is murder wrong? I don't have to work out. Is God somehow three and God somehow one? I don't have to work. Like, like even if I don't understand that, that's part of the received tradition. Right. 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 Um, now, now there are different ways of processing that. and and But that's an internal. That's once you're inside the club. Now you're having these really fascinating conversations about Greek words and ancient councils and all those sorts of things. But the, the simple idea that Jesus is somehow divine and human uh, that's you, you lose one of those, you've lost Christianity. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of that's one of the centers. The um the the thing that's been most helpful for me in the riffing part has been what we've talked about before in terms of N. T. Wright's five act play. I won't go into that again because we've we've covered it before. But it's the idea that we're improvising um a lot of the practical application of our faith. And so, um, and what Paul's doing, and this is, this is what blows our mind is Paul was improvising too. Yeah. Um, so Paul's improvisations became holy writ for us in ways that I wonder sometimes if Paul would, um, uh, appreciate or not, but Paul didn't know. I mean, he will even say this in his letters. He's like, well, I don't have a command from the Lord, but I, as someone who's trustworthy would say, right. Right. Uh, yeah. What's he doing there? He's improvising. It's this is a situation Jesus didn't cover, mm-hmm. and so in the midst of his authority, as he was submitted to the apostles, um, there was there was this idea that man, we're we're working this out as we go, and evidently that's exactly what God wanted. When because or else he would have given us an encyclopedia of Jesus' teachings about every facet of human life, right? Right. So he wants our participation. And so then you get into, well, what's it mean when Jesus says his followers will bind and loose things? Um, whatever they bind in our earth will be bound in heaven and loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And, you know, I mean, our Catholic friends would say, well, that's actually like that's real stuff. Like the church, the apostolic church gets has the authority to set policy on things. Um, I, you know, as Protestants, we don't take it that far, but. Um, there's a sense in which we're, we're riffing under the same conditions, right? Mm -hmm. We've got, so, so for me, there has to be, there has to be, or you've lost, you've lost the attention. There has to be a place where you can say to somebody, that's not Christianity. That's just not, I don't mean it's not my version of Christianity. I just mean, it's not at all what was handed down to us as as authoritative. There has to be that piece to this. 
Mm-hmm. And and again, Paul is our is our model here. There are times when he says, "I not the Lord." Other times he says, "Listen, I passed on to you what was given to me." Right. Right. Here's the communion tradition. Here's the Jesus resurrection tradition. So you got to keep that thing. So that gives us our guardrails, Tim, to to say, okay, I can believe the Bible is authoritative and inspired. That belief hasn't changed. What has what has evolved over the course of time has been what inspiration and authority means. Right. I'm more passionate about the inspiration in the Bible and the authority of the Bible now than I ever was when I held some dry sort of static view of it. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Is this in any way progressing towards the topic? <laughs> Just give me that much. You're, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like well, I, I remember uh, what com- conversation is not this conversation, but the conversation this like just this idea of complementarianism versus egalitarian, or like these titles, these factions, these broken factions within under the Christian umbrella mm-hmm. that that grade against each other and cause all this friction and anger and and infighting and kind of argumentation over specific things has always bothered me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's why I've never liked titles at all because they just are they're too inclusive in the in a in a disappointing and you know harmful way and from what I've seen. So I'm always just like, well, I don't know and I don't know, but I it's like that. Yeah, there may be this core group of things at the center that are like, yeah, these are non-negotiable. But then we start going out of there, and it's just like thunderclouds of friction on yeah these things. It's like, well, this is going to send you to hell, and, and then someone else is like, no, hell doesn't exist. And then it's like, <laughs> this is heresy, and it's like, no, this is just you know being loving, and it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's just, just like, like this friction yeah. is just nonstop, and it's it's really so when you're having conversation like just community dinner kind of stuff. Yeah. That's where a lot of stems out of because it's just having these kind of conversations like I don't understand or this pisses me off or this is that and this. And it's like sitting in a mush pot together and kind of like sorting through and trying to keep that core nugget at the middle. Like, okay, this is this is what matters the most. We know that. Right. You know, like I'm I'm clinging to the to the fabric at the bottom of his cloak and focusing on that Mm -hmm. and trying to block out the noise and just be like, I'm I'm still here. I'm still like I'm looking forward i'm holding on i'm pushing forward but all this static and this friction is frustrating but would you be open (laughs) to the possibility that the static and the friction is exactly the kind of improvisation that's required by the life of faith and absolutely and 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 that's the best stuff and it and we hate it because right we hate i mean the struggle is real as our friends say but I'm, I, but as you even described that, I'm like, yeah, but that's where the best stuff happens, and it and absolutely, it's, and, and it's I, horrible. Let me quantify that too. Like I, I learn the most through, through that, like through or through conversation and argument and whatever, right? Like, yep, that's where I learn the most. Um, like when I went to college, I it was during the 2000, it was Bush Bush Gore election, whatever, yeah, 2000. Bore, and I was like, yeah, I, I grew up it. in a. I grew up in a conservative household. I'm going to vote for George Bush. Yeah. But when I went up to that Christian campus, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go as far left as possible. I don't understand anything, <laughs> but I'm going to go as far left as possible and just sit down at tables and have conversations to learn why, why my tribe believes what it believes. And then I found that no one really knew why in, in this setting, and this yeah. is not a global, but I learned so much through the conflict and the, 
and the friction. So yes, I just like it's this it's the static view from the outside and the infighting and the whatever that from from people who are outside of that looking in being like this is a what a mess. You know yeah. what? It's interesting you said that because I agree because for us it makes sense. Like, oh, we're working this out. We're trying to figure it out or whatever. I had a friend just tell me last week. She's like, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't she became a Christian in her 30s. And she's like, mm. and then I got to church and they had all this hierarchy and roles and rules that nobody else has and it's confusing because mm-hmm. I became a I decided to follow Jesus for because I wanted to be free and then I walked into this setting that had all these rules and now I don't know what to do about it and she's like and mm. I don't understand why everyone keeps talking about it because there's bigger issues and it like kind of blew my mind because I grew up in the church so to me yeah. I'm like no we're doing the good necessary work but to right. an outsider, Tim, like you Absolutely. just said, it feels like archaic and crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. To- you know what Absolutely. I mean? And I apologize. This is not, I'm I'm riffing off the top of my head. So this is not thought out. And I realized that this was a lot of. Tim, I'm here for it. You just bring it. Field. I like Tim, left field, Tim. I, the fact that you think anything is thought out that is happening on this <laughs> is highly it's disappointing. Really, it's really, it tells us maybe you have not been here. um yeah i mean i so no but i think it's the the riffing bit is the part that's so disorienting um because there's some who say you can't riff at all you know you can't extemporize improvise at all and um and and we'd say no no no, i i see permission um to do not only do i see permission to do it but but i see the absolute necessity as we keep encountering situations we've never seen before right mm-hmm. the church has never had to wrestle with before and so yeah. um in a lot of cases we're we're hitting stuff that the church has dealt with but man more and more it's just not the case um and so we have to riff and there is conflict the the problem of course is that we broadcast it it it, it produces clicks and you know, I mean, it's um, we we've ceased, and that's why the MacArthur thing was so offensive. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. have gained any traction had John said, "Hey, I really disagree with her role and platform. I think God has gifted women, no question about it. But I don't, I don't think that that um, that a woman should be teaching. If that's all he said, everyone would have said, "Well, yeah, you're John MacArthur, of course. That's what you think." <laughs> yeah. You know, it's when it's when the attack goes personal and vicious and demeaning that you're like, well, okay. But um, to, to the point of one of our listeners, what he said too, I really enjoyed that. And I thought Alan did a really good job of just saying like, hey, the way he spoke wasn't okay. Is um, one of our listeners said, gosh, what got me about that is if I was at like a big deconstruction conference and somebody said, played that game and said, John MacArthur and someone said, go home, I probably would have found myself laughing. And it was like, oh, yeah, like we can all be guilty of all these things, no matter what side you land on. Um, And not even necessarily what side you land on. Sometimes it's more about how you're even approaching it and how you're discussing it. Yes. Sorry, I keep trying to come in. But Bonnie, (laughs) you've hit you've hit. You've hit the point behind Tim's question that I was desperately yeah. meandering my way to, um, <laughs> which is so much of the problem isn't the view, but it's how it's held. Yeah, and Agreed. and that's and and so fundamentalism, yes, was a set of doctrines to counter liberalism, 
in the early 20th century. But now that word connotes uh, the idea that you're holding something rigidly apart from any nuance, mystery process. And, and that's why even in our letter to spiritually homeless people, we refer to the dueling fundamentalisms of conservative progressive Christianity, right? Because there, there's still excommunication. Um, there's still demeaning, there's still humiliation and none of that is of Jesus. None of it is of Jesus. Doesn't matter whether, you know, it, it, cause both positions claim self-righteousness and whatever else. And so, so much of what you're seeing and reacting to, I think, Tim, is how poorly held, uh, all of these views are. And that's why, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you pull someone like Alan on and you're like, okay, this guy's not a jerk. This guy is reasonable. This guy loves his wife and loves Jesus and loves the Bible. And we disagree with him, but here's a nuanced version of this that doesn't get a lot of airplay. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's, I think that's important. And so Bonnie, when you bring that up, uh, about how it is that we hold things. That's that's why I can't get on board with some versions of progressive Christianity either. Because mm. you're just like, well, no, that's just you're just repackaging around a new ideology the same practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's those practices I want to get rid of altogether. Yeah, I agree. Tim, does that make sense? Yeah, and you guys don't have to answer this. This was the, the original kind of question was, if we are being held accountable on this this idea of judgment day, that we will stand before God and he will blah, 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 blah. And this is what the pastor guy was talking to me, like just like this fear of this judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know. It's all these conflicting ideas and the constant revelation and that revealing that changes some of the aspects of what those things that people are are preaching judgment are about does that make sense like yes i just don't know what we would be held accountable to exactly which creates this huge cloud of fear with people that are like Uh, i don't even know anymore like am i being judged on this was this wrong because now it's right is this wrong because now they're saying this is right so what if you're being judged on doing something with it (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i mean i'm (laughs) at this point i'm just clinging to like the love the lord your god and and you know love your neighbor and holding those kind of things there and being like, okay, I can, I can focus on those. I can yeah. do those to the best yeah. of my ability and hope that that is, you know, when Jesus was like, this is, yeah, these are the two big ones, man. Run with these. I'm like, all right, yeah. cool, man. I'm going to run with those. Uh, so it's just like this, cl- this idea of all this kind of stuff. Cause it, it, that's at the root of all, all this, right? This heresy and these disagreements is like, this is what is right. And this is what is wrong. Yeah, and, and like is, you will is, hear about it someday if you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so it's hard. it's like, well, I don't know, man. What am I getting judged on? Because <laughs> according to certain camps, I'm going to be judged on a lot, right. and according here, to other here. camps, I'm not going to be judged on anything. But it's all under the same umbrella. Oh, this is so, so. good. It's so true <laughs> because there's so many conservatives would say you're going to be judged on this, and the liberal and the progressives would say you're going to be judged on this, and you're like, well, what? <laughs> What is, yeah. which is it? Yep. Well, and then there's other people who are like, you're not going to be judged at all. There is no judgment. It's like, okay. Yeah. I know. I think we need oh. to have, I think this is a new <laughs> podcast topic. Yeah. So I was, that's why I was saying we don't, we don't oh. need to address that, but it's just that, that oh, was the I'm root dying. of this question. I am dying. <laughs> Man, I've, I've so many bouncing thoughts, but you're right, Tim. It needs to be a new episode. I think Damn I you. said that. As Snoop would say, the next and Bonnie. Episode. You know what? But, Forget. But, but Bonnie, 
Tim I disagreed with Tim basically the whole time. <laughs> and and so I, I know heard I have it. so many more things that I wrote down. I love that it. we didn't even get to because I derailed it. I'm sorry, but there's oh, good quit. ones about like strong leadership and a man may took like chauvinism. I thought that was an interesting right quote. Yep, mm-hmm. and there were and I had uh, of course some theological disagreements. Um, uh, you know when he would say, "Well, what do you do with this passage?" And I would yeah. think, "Well, here's what I would do with that passage." So, but but, uh, but the bigger point is always trying to model the very thing that you're reacting against, Tim, which is, okay, we have far more in common than we have held indifference. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you be firm in your convictions and gentle and humble and teachable? And, you know, it's very, very hard. But that judgment thing, oh, there's so much, bro, so much <laughs> self-control right now. So much self control is not being exercised self-control right oh, now. oh yes oh yes but i mean with what you just said too that you i think that the conversation that you had with alan and having that conversation that way is a great model of that like hopefully have having disagreement but doing that in respect and love and hearing and so you know the problem bonnie we're gonna get now after this episode hmm. we're gonna get all this like tim needs to talk more stuff I know there's gonna be reviews. I know, and and <laughs> frankly, I agree. I love it um, when Tim, when you say to yourself, "This should be your new litmus test." If you say to yourself, "This idea or what I was gonna say is left field," then that's a green light. That means go. That's say automatically it. green light. <laughs> say it. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. You just yeah. All right. I love it. So. Um, anyway, uh, check out Alan online, check out Southlands church. If you're in North orange County, they really are a great, great community. Um, so thank you to him for, for coming on. Thank you as always to Bonnie and Tim. Um, and thank you to you. We are fully a, uh, uh, 501c3 nonprofit funded by listeners like you. And so, um, if you go to voxpodcast.com, and you're so inclined, you can uh, participate in supporting of the Vox podcast in a couple of different ways you can read about there. My friends, thank you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and in these days give you peace. Until next time, friends. Thanks. Thanks.